We meet today in Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 8. We are talking about Christ, the fullness of God. In Christ we are made full. And today we are looking at the introduction to the whole epistle, uh, but particularly in chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 8. The four prison epistles of Paul, which included the epistle to the Colossians, have been called the anatomy of the church because their subjects cover all aspects of the Christian faith. In Colossians, our attention is directed at the head of the body of Christ, who is Christ himself. The body, the church, is secondary. Instead, Christ is the theme, and Christian living is centered in him. This Christocentric nature of this epistle is one of its major characteristics. This is borne out by the fact that Paul uses the word Christ no less than 26 times and the title Lord alone is used seven times. So 26 times Christ. This is a remarkable number of occurrences for a short four-chapter epistle. Therefore, the subject is Christ, the fullness of God. Colossians chapter 1 Verse 1 to verse 2 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul himself, here comes and he calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ. He always says it, and he says it, it is by the will of God. Paul was in the will of God when he was an apostle. God made him an apostle. It was not by the will of man. And at this point, I would like to ask a question. Are you in the will of God today? Are you serving Christ? Are you sure you are in the proper place? Are you sure you are doing the proper thing? My friend, I believe that every believer is called to function in the body of Christ. But it is important also to be functioning in the right place. Don't be misplaced. There are so many people today who are very active in Christian work, doing something that they are not supposed to be doing at all. Too often, we try to imitate other people. God has not created us to be copies of other people. We are actually original and in God's intention, there is a task that should be done simply by you and no one else. Well, we think today I'll get busy doing what brother so and so is doing. My friend, we need to remember that our gifts are different and we are each going to function a little differently. But we ought to be functioning. God made Paul an apostle. Did God put you where you are? When you know you are in the will of God, there is a deep satisfaction in life, by the way. And that satisfaction will motivate you to keep on working and serving God. But when you are simply repeating what someone else is doing and you are not working in fulfilling God's plan for your life, then you are emptied of the potential that is in you. Also, we see here and we are introduced to the term saints. You see, the term saints more literally means 
the ones set apart, it is used to denote all believers, not a special group of believers who possess eminent virtues, so to say. The saints are set apart unto or in Christ, our union with him being affirmed approximately 13 times in this book. We are in Christ. The phrase grace and peace combines common Greek and Jewish greetings while elevating them to a new level of Christian theological significance. You see, my friend, we cannot experience the peace of God before we experience the grace of God. His grace makes us saints, but it will always be that grace precedes the experience of peace. For we must experience his grace first before we experience his peace. We are not saints because of what we do. No, we are saints by our position in Christ Jesus. Saints are those who are set apart for God and the believing brethren are the same group of people. Notice that they are saints who are in Christ, but they are also in the city or at Colosse. The most important question is not where you are at, but who you are in. Now, that may not sound like good grammar here, but it is sure good Bible here. The saints are at Colosse. And it is important that we have an address down here on earth, but we ought to have an address up in heaven also. And that is the address in Christ. Isn't it interesting that many of us would even have an address of where our home is, the street of our, where our house is, the town that we live in, the country that we live in, the continent in which we are, having a, a, an address. Even in some of the schools, you have a specific place where it is assigned for you to sit. Why have an address everywhere else except in heaven? My friend, you can have an address in heaven, and the best address to have in heaven is to be in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Now, it is also important to remember that Paul is writing to counteract Gnosticism, which was the first heresy in the church. This was the Essen branch of Gnosticism. They relegated God to a place far removed from men, and they taught that one had to go through emanations to get to God. Have you ever noticed that all hidden religions and cults have some sort of an open system before you can get to God? You go through all these rituals and all these rigorous activities to get to God. Paul makes it very clear here that the grace and peace of God come directly from God our Father. It does not come through a ritual. It does not come through any other person. We can come directly to God through Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 verse 3. We give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. In other words, we can go directly to God. We do not need to go through any form of emanation at all. No, anyone who is in Christ Jesus has access to God the Father. And now one of the benefits of being justified by faith is access to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only are we at peace with God, but we have access into his very presence. 
praying always for you. I mean, you would find it very challenging to compile a list of the people that Paul said he was praying for. And now if you add the Colossian believers to the list, there are many. He always prayed for them. They were on his heart list. They were on his heart. They were on his prayer list. He loved them. And by the way, my friends, if we are in Christ, the relationship that we have with each other is that we will uphold each other in prayer. Do you pray for me? I pray for you, my friend, even as you listen to God's word today, that you will be brought to the truths that God has revealed to me, but he may even by his own spirit reveal more truths to you. Here is Colossians chapter 1 verse 4 to verse 5. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Here Paul begins a prayer of thanksgiving by bringing together here the tridic Christian virtues of faith, love and hope. These virtues also appear together in the epistles of Romans 5 verse 2 to 5, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Galatians 5 verse 5 and verse 6, 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, chapter 5 verse 8, and even Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 to 24. These virtues appear together. Here Paul links the trinity of graces for believers. Faith, it is past. Love, it is present. Hope, it is future. Isn't that amazing? Now, Paul is going to talk about the good points of these believers. They had faith towards God. Faith rests upon historical facts. It is based on the past. It was based on what they had heard before in the word of truth of the gospel. And this refers to the content of the gospel. The great truths that pertain to the gospel of the grace of God. God has us shut up to a cross and he asks us to believe him. You haven't really heard the gospel until you have heard about something to believe. And so the gospel is not something for us to do. It is not what we do. The gospel tells us what he did for you and for me over 2000 years ago. And the gospel is what we believe. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17. You see, faith comes by hearing, but faith is not a leap in the dark, my friend. It rests upon historical facts. It is believing God. And your love for all the saints. Now, faith is based upon the past, but love is for the present. Now, it is nonsense today to boast of the fundamentalism of our doctrine and then to spend our time crucifying other brethren and attempting to find fault with them. There are too many wonderful saints looking down on their fellow believers who have not measured up to their high standards, who are not separated like they are separated. My friend, the world is not interested in that kind of approach. The world is looking to see whether Christians love each other or not. It is hypocrisy to consider oneself a Christian and then not to demonstrate love for the brothers. If we have disagreements with our brethren, my friend, we are to bear with them, we are to pray for them, and we are to love them. 
Remember that a Christian is a sinner saved by grace. None of us will ever be perfect in this life. Now these Colossian believers had their good points. They were sound in the faith towards God. They were fundamental in their belief. And they also had love for the brethren. And Paul says that they had hope for the future. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. In 1 Corinthians also, Paul lists these graces, but he lists them in a different way, slightly different. We read in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13, And now abide faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. You see, he puts hope in the second position, and last, he puts love. Why did he do that? Well, because it is the only thing that is going to abide. Love is for the present. It is true, but it is also going to make it into eternity. It is very important that we begin to exhibit love down here on earth before we even go to heaven, because we are going to practice it anyway. That hope which is laid up for you in heaven is the blessed hope. We are to look to the coming of Christ. We are to love his appearing. Paul says, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. And the gospel is a simple message which God simply asks you to believe. You are asked to believe on the basis of certain facts. Jesus Christ was virgin born. He performed miracles. He is the God man. He died on a cross, was buried and rose again. He ascended Back into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit into the world on the day of Pentecost to form the church. He is sitting at God's right hand today. His position there indicates that our redemption is complete. We are asked to enter into the rest, which he offers to those who will come to him. He has a present ministry of intercession for you and me. I think he has other ministries too. And finally, he is going to return to this earth again. These are all parts of the glorious gospel. This is the content of the gospel as Paul expresses it here. He will come again. Colossians 1 verse 6, which has come to you as it is also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Paul says that the gospel has come to the Colossians as it has come in all the world. Paul is saying that at this particular time, when he was in prison in Rome, the gospel had already reached the world. Remember that for three years he preached the gospel in Ephesus to people who were there all over the Roman Empire. As a result, the gospel had gone ahead of him to Rome long before he was taken there as a prisoner. Now, the word for world here is the word cosmos, and it simply means the Roman Empire of that day. The gospel at that time had penetrated into the furthest points, furthest ends of the Roman Empire. It may have been even have crossed over to, the, to Great Britain, Every part of the Roman world had heard the gospel. Now I tell you, my friend, these early apostles were on the move. I'm reluctant to criticize anything that they did. 
Paul says here that the gospel had gone into all the Roman world. And remember that the church, the apostles at that time were disadvantaged in big ways. They did not have aircraft like we do. They did not have cars like we do. They did not have even the technological advantages we enjoy today. Yet the gospel moved rapidly. How failing we are with all technology around us. Because the gospel was going all over, what was it doing? It was bringing forth fruit. Wherever the gospel is preached, it will bring forth fruit. Paul says that is true. And this is the wonderful confidence that we can have. And we can keep on sharing God's word because as people hear God's word, it will bear fruit. Colossians 1 verse 7. As you also heard from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Apparently here, Epaphras was the leader of the pastor of the church in Colossae. He is Paul's representative in Colossae, converted in Ephesus under Paul's ministry. He was probably a native of Colossae, as chapter 4 verse 12 will indicate. He is now present with Paul as this letter is written, and Paul calls him our dear fellow servant. Wow! Have you ever noticed how gracious Paul could talk about other servants of God? He had something good to say about those who were preaching the word of God. But when he found a rascal, he was also just like our Lord Jesus Christ. He would really reprimand evil when he saw it. The Lord Jesus was so merciful to sinners. The woman who was taken in adultery should have been stoned to death. But notice how gracious our Lord was to her in John chapter 8, verse 1 to verse 11. Then there was that arrogant Pharisee named Nicodemus who came to Jesus and attempted to pay him a compliment. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who came from God. John 3 verse 2. In effect, he was saying, we Pharisees know. And brother, when we know something, that's it. Now, the Lord Jesus so gently and so graciously pulled him off his high horse, off his high chair. When the Lord got through with him, he was just a plain little old Nicky or Tommy. Little Nicodemus was trying to be somebody, but he was nothing in the world but a religious robot going through rituals, really. And the Lord Jesus brought him down to the place where he could humbly ask, How can this be? Then the Lord Jesus led him to see the cross, and he was gracious when he was dealing with people like this. Colossians 1 verse 8 who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Now, we will not find a great emphasis on the Holy Spirit in this epistle, but Paul does make it clear here to the Colossian believers that they would not be able to exhibit his love unless it were by the Holy Spirit. It was to the Galatians that Paul wrote that the fruit of the Spirit is love. In this epistle, Paul will not dwell on that subject. He is going to dwell on the person of Christ. As he does that, 
the Spirit of God will take the things of Christ and will show them to us. That is the important work of the Spirit of God. And indeed, I pray that the Spirit of God will show us the supremacy of Christ, the centrality of Christ in our walk for God. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code two seven followed by seven two six four one four four seven five. From within South Africa it's zero seven two six four one four four seven five.